Hello and welcome to Best Web Bytes, sound bites and insights from purchase to pay pioneers. For today's episode, clearly there, there are some extraordinary circumstances taking place around the globe at the moment, and if those current circumstances prove anything, it's that no one can accurately predict when turbulent times might be on their way and when they might arrive or to the enormous impact they may end up having. Even having already witnessed enormous change over the last few years, market change, regulatory change, behavioural change and technological change, the impact of recent events on the average finance function is pretty much unprecedented. That represents a major challenge of course, but also it might just present a unique opportunity. So in this the pilot episode of Bassware Bytes we're going to be exploring both. I'm joined today by Sammy Pelton of Bassware and Pete Swaby of the Economist Intelligence Unit. Perhaps you can introduce yourselves. Hi everybody, my name is uh, Sammy Peltonen. Um, I'm uh, working for Bassware and responsible for purchase to pay product management. Pleasure to be here. And hi, I'm Pete Swaby. I'm EMEA Editorial Director for Thought Leadership at the Economist Intelligence Unit. And I've been working with Bassware on some research about the, the top trends shaping global trend global trade this year and that's what well I'll be talking about some of the insights from that research today. What what precisely is happening across the kind of financial marketplace and economic marketplace at the moment? As I mentioned the 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 scope of the research that we've we've completed uh, was to identify the top five trends shaping global trade in 2020 and when we started uh, the project I don't think many of us had even heard the word coronavirus uh, but needless to say, as we were conducting the research through uh, February and then early March, uh, it became clear that number one, by a, a large margin, was going to be the COVID-19 and its economic impact. Uh, and it's fair to say that, you know, this is a kind of unprecedented situation. We can all remember the financial crisis, but evidence looks so far that it might have a, a deeper, a steeper economic impact in the, at least in the short term. And so the question is for, for everyone, really, what is that economic in- impact going to, to be? And I think it's worth thinking about it in maybe three phases. There's the, the very short term impact, what what the impact of the the lockdown that most of the world, much of the world's population is now under. Then there's the medium-term impact, which is what are the kind of aftershocks of that um, activity. And then, then there's long-term impact, which is how will the world be different as a result of, of us going through this experience. The short-term impact, needless to say, when most of the world is under lockdown, then the global economy can't function as it previously had, had done. The measures to remove social interaction by necessity um, limit the kind of the, the number of economic interactions that they can that can happen, which are to a degree a kind of social interaction. And on that front, the forecast is not great, and there is of course going to be a steep drop in trade volumes this year. So the World Trade Organization is predicting, in its optimistic scenario, a 13% year-on-year drop in global merchandising trade, that's that's physical objects, uh, that's going to be counterbalanced next year by a 21% increase. So in its optimistic scenario, the, the bounce back more than compensates for the uh, for the dip. But in its pessimistic scenario, it sees a, uh, a 32% trade a drop in trade volumes this year, followed by a 24% increase in 2021. So in that scenario, the bounce back 
doesn't compensate for the drop-off in trade this year. And that's just for merchandising, the, the trade in services, which is the faster-growing kind of trade in the global economy, could be even worse impacted when you, when you consider that, that that trade in services includes things like travel and tourism uh, and entertainment. Those things could be significantly impacted for, for a, an even longer time. So that adds up to a pretty grim economic forecast. So our prediction, the Economist Intelligence Unit's latest forecast as of mid-April, is that almost all developed countries in the world are going to go into recession this year. Uh, Global GDP will shrink by 2.5% this year, so that's a global recession. And European countries are some of the hardest hit. So Germany, uh, which is uh, whose economy is very export-based, will we'll see a 6% shrinkage. Italy 7% and the UK 4.7%. And then there's the, the medium term impact, which we're all kind of scratching our heads about because there's a lot of unknown known questions. But it's, it's reasonable to assume that there'll be knock-on effects of the immediate disruption, uh, namely sort of investor sentiment, uh, diminishing investors becoming more conservative, consumer sentiment. Uh, maybe people realise that they don't need to buy so many things anymore and, <laughs> and become more conservative and keener to save up. And then, of course, there may be a debt crisis where governments have borrowed lots of money to... Um, to pay for the measures, the necessary measures to uh, deal with the pandemic. But given the, the challenges to their economies as a result, uh, struggle to pay those back. And that, that's the kind of thing that can, can reverberate between countries as, as uh, governments start to default on their loans. So unfortunately, uh, a pretty grim picture for both the, the, the short and the, the medium term. Certainly on the face of things. Sammy, can I, can I ask at this point then, are you seeing this reflected in the mood among your customers? And, and if you are, you know, what do you think, what are the things that um, the finance function at large can do to even begin to, to help mitigate these circumstances? Very good question. We are seeing all of these uh, trends in our, in our customer base. Obviously, um, right now, everybody's focus is on the business continuation. So uh, that also applies to finance departments. So um, the, the finance departments are ensuring that people are able to work remotely, um, equipping them with all of the different uh, equipments needed to um, continue um, running the processes while working from home. And so, um, you know, this has been already triggering some um, further initiatives to automate the processes because you know some of the manual tasks may be more difficult to handle when the whole team is working remotely and you know there there is um, surprisingly often some sort of unused potential in the platforms these companies are are using so um, you know some of the customers have been able to rapidly increase the automation rates and uh, you know get rid of some of the some of the manual workload so that's that's certainly one thing. Um, secondly, um, the the companies are under high pressure for uh, finding savings. So certainly, it's a top priority for all the uh, finance and also procurement leaders uh, to find those areas where they would be able to uh, show some immediate savings. Um, you know, anything that is not time critical is postponed in, in most of the cases. So companies are rapidly um, trying to get a holistic visibility through all of their spend, all of their supply chains to understand how they are able to, you know, save some money and then uh, mitigate and prepare for 
some potential hiccups in the revenue stream from going forward. So, so it's fair to say you're seeing some very real changes in consumer and supplier behaviours. Absolutely, some some uh, very visible changes. Um, I would say that many of these trends are not new as such, but the coronavirus situation certainly is amplifying amplifying this development, and uh, companies need to be able to. Um, react very rapidly. Does the finance function need to change its thinking and its process, do you think? And, you know, how do, where do you begin? You know, what, what, is the, what, are, what are the steps, the immediate and practical steps that they can start to take if they haven't already? I think from, from my standpoint, um, the most important thing certainly is to get rid of the paper. I mean, still surprisingly many companies are dependent on the paper invoices um, in their financial processes. There are Lots of suppliers still sending paper invoices, lots of buyers still receiving paper invoices, and it's very sort of a practical challenge nowadays that, you know, if your people are not able to access their offices, you know, it's uh, uh, impossible to get those uh, paper invoices, the system, and then it basically means that the whole process will be stopped. So, so you know, that's certainly my advice to everybody that um, now it is the sort of final, final moment to um, get rid of the paper invoices, and there are... Um, lots of good sort of low barrier ways for both suppliers and buyers to uh, move to more electronic transactions. Absolutely. So, and obviously these things, uh, these factors are going to be exacerbated by things like changes in, in trade policies and tariffs and regulations, which I know have come out as one of the key factors in the research, Pete. Um, uh, can you can you give us some um, detail there? The shock waves of that initial disruption in the heart heart of China is likely to be felt through the supply chain for for months, if not years, to come. What does that mean for organisations? Uh, I think we we sort of talk about uncertainty in supply chains being an issue that that companies need to deal with. Uncertainty seems like an understatement in the the current environment. I think chaos is po- possibly the more apposite description of what companies can expect to see in their supply chains in the near future. Obviously, it's no longer just located in China. Every almost every country in the world is is now imposing some kind of restriction on on business on the way companies operate in order to to stem the transmission of the uh, of the disease what that means in supply chain terms is that prices are going to be highly volatile highly unpredictable so companies from a finance point of view need to brace themselves for highly unpredictable prices and therefore one assumes to, to build in the capacity to anticipate increased prices. Of course, supply chain operations themselves are going to be highly disrupted and companies need to be as flexible as possible to find new sources of supply for what they need, to move quickly, to identify their dependencies. If companies haven't already mapped the dependencies on their supply chain, now is an extremely good time to do so. And that means not just the exposure of their direct suppliers to COVID-19 related disruption, but their suppliers, suppliers and and so forth as, as far as you can go. And maybe Sammy can talk with more authority about this, but small businesses are going to be under extreme strain. Those without the deep pockets to withstand months of disruption, months perhaps of no business, companies that are living from month to month are going to be in extreme situations. And those companies that rely on those small businesses to create their products will have to be flexible or should be flexible in terms of payment terms, uh, lending perhaps to, to small suppliers, etc. So that's another thing for finance professionals to consider 
when they think about the impact of COVID-19 on, on their day-to-day work? Absolutely, Pete. I mean, I think that, that places things in a really useful kind of macro context. To turn to yourself, Sammy, you know, perhaps we can turn to you for, the, for the, perhaps more of a micro context. You know, what will be some of the key um, you know, AP and you know even procurement change drivers and you know in the, and indicators. You know what are going to be the the key issues and perspectives and prompts and milestones in a practical sense. You know what are what are the thing what are the kind of short and longer term hurdles that the finance functions have to overcome on an everyday basis. Where do they begin? Uh, as Pete said, I mean uh, obviously the the um, many of the suppliers are right now in an extremely difficult situation and. Uh, from sort of you know buyer standpoint it is uh, really important to ensure that you know you have an um, open and transparent communication with those suppliers Um, it's good if you are able to um, very openly explain you know how much you are able to for example order goods or services in in uh, during the crisis and so on Um, and then obviously it's uh, really crucial to ensure that the the um, suppliers are able to get their money rapidly. So, so again, this gets back to sort of um, automating the, the finance, financial processes so that, um, you know, faster you are able to process the invoices, you know, certainly faster the supplier is able to get their, their money back. And this is obviously really crucial um, right now, uh, especially considering those uh, critical suppliers that are supplying uh, stuff that is, is critical for your own businesses. So, so that's extremely important. And, and then, um, what we see now companies increasingly starting to do is to get like a really holistic visibility through all of their supply chains. So they need to understand exactly who they are dealing with and, and not only from the standpoint of, you know, these most critical strategic suppliers, but actually also including the whole long tail. So, um, so we encourage our customers to get that visibility to, you know, ensure that you get all of the suppliers all of their spent into a single platform because that will then help you, uh, you know, first of all, right now during the crisis to uh, react to find some alternative sources of supply when needed. But then also uh, in the longer term, this will help you in, in being able to properly manage your your uh, supply chain the from the risk standpoint, from the corporate responsibility standpoint, and then also. Um, you know, having a full visibility through all of your spend uh, enables you to then uh, react rapidly if, uh, you know, anything similar happens again. So you need to be able to immediately find those uh, saving pockets. So so it's extremely important that companies are able to consolidate all of their spend to, to a single platform. Again, really interesting, and that positions things very neatly. I have a question for both of you, again, from from first of all to yourself, Pete, from a macro point of view and perhaps to you, Sammy, on, on that on the uh, on the micro perspective, you know what are then what are first of all, Pete? What are the broad pitfalls that you know should, ought to be avoided? What you know what might be the key indicators of success and failure in in terms of um, changing and evolving uh, uh, the first of all the kind of wider economic process, and then Sammy the the kind of business to business individual processes. I think companies probably uh, at the moment have got their minds focused on just getting through the next couple of months. Uh, I think it's probably a matter of focusing on the priorities, making sure what business that you have 
is delivered, making sure you're obviously thinking beyond the, the, the simply the finance processes. Your employees are engaged. Uh, the morale is as good as it could be. You know, obviously, we're in the middle of a global p- pandemic. We don't necessarily want everyone to be happy and shining the whole time. But uh, these are sort of more the, the top of mind, I think, for, for managers is getting things done. But as we've discussed, the current moment is a real test of companies' agility in their supply chain and their finance operations. It is a moment to, if there are pitfalls or barriers that have held companies back from being as agile as they might have, have once been, or some supplier relationships that uh, haven't been working especially well, and but people have, have, have stuck with from through loyalty, etc. I think all of that needs to be take the opportunity of um, tough times to put everything under the microscope and make sure you know exactly what the position is, so you can consider your options and, and move forward. So, like I say, um, I think most companies are going to be focused on just getting through the next few months, but I think the ones who really thrive are going to be the ones who take the opportunity to, um, you know, I think it's months like these where real change is going to happen, where real progress is going to be made due to the, uh, the, you know, the the challenges and the circumstances that companies face. So companies that live up to that and and take the opportunity um, to uh, make some drastic changes to the way they operate and the right changes are, are going to be the ones who thrive, I think. And, and and what are your thoughts there, Sammy? I would I would kind of firm at least you know three different concrete sort of KPIs we should be looking at. Uh, you know, f- first of all, um, again, um, I would start by um, eliminating the paper from the process because that's step number one. I mean, if you are uh, able to move all of your transactions from paper to electronic, it uh, it ensures that you are able to get much more agility for your processes. You are able to get much better visibility on who you are dealing with, how you are able to save some money when going forward and so on. So, so you know, that's certainly the, the sort of action number one. And uh, we see many of our companies um, concretely, you know, m- measuring um, how many of their invoices are received in an electronic way. So that would be my first um, sort of um, success metric. Secondly, um, I would look at the automation um, again. Uh, especially during these times, it's super important that you are able to, you know, pay fast, keep the cash flowing, and uh, uh, if you are able to eliminate most of the manual uh, tasks from your process, the manual bottlenecks, you know, that's the best way to ensure you are actually able to able to run your process efficiently, especially during these times when when people are forced to to uh, work from home, and then. I think the um, uh, third one is, is certainly the sort of spend under control. So, um, um, you know, companies are, they have to be able to find some, um, you know, saving opportunities and they will be operating with certainly reduced budgets when going forward. So uh, now it's extremely important that you are able to, able to um, ensure that all of the uh, end users in your organization um, are able to uh, play with those reduce budgets and, and stick with those. So uh, that's why it's extremely important to ensure that you, you actually um, uh, measure how much spent is under control. You need to ensure all of your managers know uh, how much they have uh, uh, budgets available. And uh, that way uh, you can you can uh, keep the spent under control also during these times. So, uh, you know, keeping the 
I own how big share of the aggregate spent is uh, under control is extremely, extremely important during during these times. So is it fair to say to some extent then that we're, we're looking at a situation where it's, you know, look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves in the context that the more individual companies can look after and, and automate and streamline and, and their, their, their spend and to ensure that their cash flow is in a good place, the more that will be felt in the wider supply chain. Is that a fair thing to say? I think so, absolutely. And, you know, as I said um, earlier, you know, many, many of these um, trends are something we have seen, you know, happening already in the past. But now the, the current situation is certainly amplifying the development and, you know, companies are forced to sort of pretty rapidly deploy these changes to ensure they would be able to keep the gas flowing and, and keep the spending control. Pete, is that something you go along with? Yes, absolutely. And and just to, to pick up on Sammy's theme of this being a, a sort of continuation of some themes that we've seen before. So, so four or five years ago, um, global trade wasn't an especially interesting or dynamic topic to talk about. Um, sort of before the, the Trump presidency, um, there... Um, it's something that happened and people sort of took for granted. And in the, uh, it's only in the last, like I say, four or five years that it's uh, there's been kind of substantially choppy waters with, with Brexit, with US-China trade relations, etc. and now coronavirus. These are times where um, organizational inertia that might have held back um, some change initiatives, some um sort of process changes that everybody knew needed to happen but uh, no one had ever got around to it i think now's the time once once people have got a uh, feel slightly more reassured about what the the implications of the current environment are for their business and and what the next month or two months is going to look like i think now is the time to think about those those changes um because uh, very few companies are going to be able to get away with um, continuing as they had done previously. Is, is this a, a matter of some companies being born to change and others having change thrust upon them? You know, we always talk about uh, the, these kind of hallowed companies that um, are just constant innovators and can always um, change and adapt to the new best thing for their organisation and stay on top of things. The reality for most companies is that change is very difficult. It's very hard to get everyone within an organisation uh, lined up but behind one particular initiative, even if something seemingly innocuous has far-reaching implications for teams and divisions and employees, all of which can be a source of resistance for that change. But when there's a real um, shared mission, a clear shared mission, and I think um, you know, getting through the next, the, the immediate term is going to be a very clear shared mission for companies, uh, that's a time when I think really meaningful change can be made. Sammy, what would be your take on that? As Pete said, you know, it's it's obviously next to impossible to you know forecast exactly what's going to happen in the long term and how we will get out of this um, ongoing situation. But I think the, the kind of good news perhaps is that from the standpoint of uh, finance teams, um, if you are able to build that process agility now to cope with the ongoing situation, 
eventually uh, that will turn into sustainable value even in the long term. You may be able to turn that into competitive advantage. Are there some potential hurdles down the line that we, we're perhaps not aware of at the moment? What might be those hidden issues that right now we're not dealing with, but that might just crop up as those ripples spread? We just completed this report on the top five trends shaping global trade in 2020. And number one, coronavirus is going to dominate people's attention for the for the near future. It's important to remember that it will agitate and perpetuate some of the other issues that are that are on the horizon or on the agenda at the moment. What are the key learnings that the, the finance functions and the wider business should be taking away from this discussion? You know, what are the headline do's and don'ts here? First of all, getting rid of the paper. That's extremely concrete action, you know, anyone, anyone can take. So um, um, moving the paper transactions to electronic formats, that, that's, you know, something uh, everybody should be doing. On, on top of that, I think that this is actually a really good opportunity for the finance departments to step up and, and take the lead. Companies are struggling today, but actually um, many of the keys to resolve these problems are in the hands of finance departments. So, you know, they are the ones who are able to keep the gas flowing. Uh, they are the ones who are able to ensure you have a total visibility through all of your all of your spent and, and suppliers. Um, so uh, really uh, encouraging finance and procurement departments to uh, see this uh, difficult uh, situation as an opportunity to take the lead, uh, become a, a driver of the change in the organization. And as I said earlier, if, if you are able to um, increase your business agility in this, this situation, you are certainly building some uh, sustainable value uh, to your processes and eventually that will become a competitive advantage. So I, I know that one of Basware's um, core philosophies right now is, is the idea of visible commerce. Perhaps you can talk to us a little bit about that and, and, and how that works in this context. Yeah, that's a really good, really good question. So uh, we talk a lot about visible commerce and, and basically what we are meaning with that is that we, we believe the modern technologies are able to provide companies with total visibility to all of the goods, services and, and cash flows uh, so that when you are in a global trade, um, you are able to consolidate all of that visibility into a single place and that helps you to drive the change when going forward. Everything starts from visibility. If you are able to understand exactly who you are dealing with, uh, how much you are spending with your suppliers, how the supply chain is structured, that is really a good and great starting point for, for um, any future improvement activities. Pete, any thoughts there? Obviously, number one priority for companies in the immediate future is going to be keep business going. But any steps they can make towards greater agility, certainly in their supply chain operations and in their associated finance functions, is going to be investment that pays off uh, for years to come. Because even when we touch wood soon enough, get through the impact of coronavirus, there are sure to be new risks on the horizon. Um, and I think that the era of safely assuming the the supply chains that we rely on, the rules in which that govern those supply chains, and the and the uh, sort of geopolitical environment that in which they operate in are, are stable for long periods of time are, are behind us, alas. 
coming to drawing towards a conclusion we've seen this throughout this discussion that 2020 is set to become a watershed year for the global economy and even when coronavirus itself is eventually contained no company should expect a quick and easy return to normal the companies that do survive and even thrive will be those that identify how these disruptions affect their businesses and adapt accordingly does does that hold true i'm going to say it holds true because at the conclusion of our report i endorse that message as i said earlier we are seeing very concrete it is also in our in our um, customer base today guys that's that's been fantastic thank you so much for your time super really good really good hey thanks a lot have a great week everyone nice chatting with you take care yeah. stay safe you bye you too